bad. Has now been around for three seasons and coaches everywhere are saving time and being more efficient when it comes to scout cards. Coach Robinson from Texas says, the thing I most enjoy is the ease of access to all the scout cards and how I can draw on them if I need to make any changes. Every coach that uses it says that it is so great to use. If you and your staff are tired of the old ways of preparing and using scout cards, check out thecoachpad.com to start enjoying scout team and making the 2023 season better than ever. Um, welcome back to another episode of the Gap Downbacker podcast. Uh, we have a returning guest, uh, my friend, the defensive coordinator at Centerville High School here in Ohio, uh, Coach John Puckett. John, how are you doing? Good, man. How are you? Thanks for having me on again. No problem, my friend. No problem. Um, I, I think as most people who have watched my stuff know, I mean, you're the Ripley's guy. Um, <laughs> I think that's that's kind of what you're known for. I, I, you guys play a lot more cover one and other things this year, but uh, that's more out of the necessity of adapting to your kids. Um, but as I mean, you've kind of texted back and forth. I've kind of gone, been going, re oh, I rewatched your first clinic and then I've been going through Kogan stuff. Um, and then me and you've exchanged some other stuff and some ideas. So I'm going to pick your brain on that a little bit. Um, uh, but first, before we get in that, do you want to kind of talk about how, I mean, you guys had a pretty good season this year, finishing up against Springfield at the end of the year, um, and playoffs. Uh, do you want to kind of talk about how your year went? Yeah. Um, you know, we were really, I mean, we were, uh, did it, we had a lot better year, um, than I knew that, than I had anticipated. I, I mean, I knew this defense could be pretty good. Um, cause on paper we were, yeah, very talented. Um, <clears throat> but, uh, but we were undersized and um everywhere and i thought so it just kind of depended on you know kind of how the, the the kids came together and uh you know this the the unit they uh, you know they worked really hard in practice and then um the thing about them that really stood out um was that we were really athletic and really physical um the kids would um uh, were really would get to the football and um, they were very violent at the point of attack for the most part, you know, I mean, we had our games where, you know, we get beat up at the end of the year and, and um, you know, those types of things. So, um, but they really got after the quarterback this year um, did a uh, um really good job I had the numbers in front of me at one point but I think I mean we were up per, pretty close to like we had a little over 40 sacks this year um you know caused a, a bunch of fumbles had a, a ton of hits on the quarterback um created uh quite a few turnovers um so that was the one thing about them like they uh so we had to move a lot uh, because they were so small. So, but we had our, our two inside backers, three of our four inside or four, three other out of our four backers were great blitzers. So, um, you know, we would, we brought them quite a bit and, um, and they just, uh, they wrecked havoc on most teams that we played. Um, you know, obviously Springfield was a, 
was another animal. Um, they got the ball out so quick and, um, hell, we thought we were athletic. Jeez. Uh, those guys were crazy, um, athletic. And, um, but you know, we had a, got a couple shots on them and we had some, some good series against them. We just couldn't put it together, but, um, yeah, this, this team was, was, they were, they were really good. Uh, and they were a lot of fun to coach. You know, you have teams where you play 11, 12 games and they just kind of wear you out. And, uh, not these guys, man. I love them. I loved, uh, I love seeing them every day. I love coaching them. Um, they were, they, they were a lot of fun. They were really bought into, to, uh, you know, kind of what we were trying to do. And, and, uh, so I was, I was actually, I got pretty close with, with them. And, and, uh, so it was a lot of fun this year. It was, it was a good time. Good. Now, now I won't ask you questions. Some of them might be dumb questions. Um, but again, I have decided to go down to a ripple is studying rabbit hole the past couple weeks. Um, so some of this might be dumb questions. Some of it might not be, but again, I'm, I'm referencing all my ripple is knowledge. Just be mindful of this on text with you, one of your two clinics and a Kogan presentation. So be mindful of that before you call me an idiot. Okay. Cause I know okay. first time. So first one, I'm just going to be a smart ass. Um, cause that's who I am. Um, right. So when I look at six skate, or I mean one of your trips adjustments, would you classify that as really just playing country cover three? Oh yeah, like um, you know, skate is to me. I mean, it's um, it's an area call, like six skate three buzz. I mean, everybody runs it; they just don't call it that. Uh, anybody that runs, you know, that lives and dies by cover three, when you get an unbalanced formation, um, you know, empty or, or three by one, you know, they're going to have, you know, that adjustment or else you're going to get outnumbered. Um, I mean, cause really, um, you know, skate and three buzz are nothing but a, a pre-snap area call if they were two by two um you know you got the fast three rule where if you're going to push everybody to that to the side of the back when he's getting out fast that just turns into skate um the difference is where it's not country cover three in my opinion is because you're pushing your landmarks are people and not you know um two yards outside the hash, um, you know, at 12 yards depth is the curl, right? Like we're not pushing there. We're pushing our aiming point is to the inside hip of number two, like, um, and then where he breaks his route off or whatever he does, that is where we will square up and get our eyes back and, um, you know, and look for work coming through our zone. I think that's, you know, country cover three. So if you're just pushing to a landmark and then you're just vision and break off the quarterback, I think that's where we are a little are different because we are still matching the routes in our zone. 
like we're worried about our zone, but we're matching the routes as they pass through, not just trying to, you know, read a quarterback and then drive on the ball as it comes out. Um, that's where I think it, it differs. You know, we still have those, some of the same principles, like if you're getting high load, you know, you want to play it from the top down. So you have to be aware, really aware of what's going on. But I, to me, I, the way I explain it to the kids, we take 53 and a third and we condense it by pushing a receiver. So we're able to shrink the windows of where the receiver can go and the quarterback, you know, can try to place the ball as opposed to blanketing the whole field, which is not what we're trying to do. Right. We're still trying to match routes um, in our zone with zone integrity. So we're trying to stack everything from the top down and not trying to allow ourselves to get so spread out. Okay. That's where I think it's different. Okay. That's why I was kind of wondering because I'm I'm watching you and Kogan explain this and then I'm looking. I mean, I can look at as many playbooks I want, but. It, it doesn't really matter unless somebody explains to me. And we have that we have that we've had that conversation twice now, off screen about just terminology and what people use and how it's we pr- sometimes make it more complicated than it has to be. Um, yeah. In there, you mentioned area calls, and that was one will be one of the other questions I go mention you. Can you explain that a little bit more in depth of what an area call is, especially for a hook and scene player? What that actually. Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, you can set up your own rules, but um, basically the, the, the simplest way to put it is, is that if we give an area call pre-snap, that is letting everyone on that side of the field know that we are passing routes off on our side. Like, so we're playing zone to that side. We're not mad. Like if two goes, if we have a pre-snap area call, if the scene player says or gives a pre-snap area call um he's telling the hook player hey you got the hook so you're now i'm the three through guy so you don't have to chase across or coming across the field like i got it now because i'm becoming the curl flat player only and that lets the corner and the free safety know hey if two is in the scene i'm not going to carry him but i'll collision him and knock him out of the seam, but I'm playing curl, then flat. That's just letting everybody know what you're doing pre-snap as opposed to letting it unfold through however the uh, the route distribution is. So the corner knows pre-snap, okay, I got to adjust my alignment because if two is in the seam, I got to be able to squeeze the seam. Um, and I'm going to play one now from the top down. Um, I'm not going to, you know, if two is in, I can match one, but, um, I still can't give up leverage on the seven cut, you know? So basically what we're doing is uh, we're going to play skate to that side or a push to that side already to a certain degree. It just makes, uh, it makes it easier. Like we have pre-snap rules, I guess you could say. So like we have a couple different ways we can play a two man stack out of Ripley's. One of them is an area call. So you just let the the route distribute and you just match it through your zone integrity. Um, then, I mean, there's we can get into the other ways later, but 
the um, or if you get two guys outside the divider, right? So if one and two are really wide, we're not going to stretch that scene player all the way out and say we're going to match him because more than likely he's going to end up coming back inside anyways. So we would go ahead and give that a um, an area call. Um, let's see. Um, tight end wing uh, or just a pro flank to that side. We can go ahead and area it, you know. Uh, it just uh, – you can have your own rules. But ours are two outside the seam, two-man stack, um, or, a, or a, a pro flank, so a tight end Z. My, ne my next question is, because you've done this now at several schools, like, I mean, you, and you mm -hmm. talked a little bit about your presentation, like, when you first time you were at Centerville is kind of when you deep dove into figuring out what Ripple is was, because at the time you were a big cover one, one high guy, and you, you're mm -hmm. obviously, you are not a two read fan by any, any means. Um, right. And then you took it and you installed it at Butler. Um, and, and you showed some video of that, and, and you came back and reinstalled it at um, Centerville. When you take it from school to school, now that you've done that a couple of times, okay, what is your typical install progression, or what have you kind of figured out about your install progression as you jump from, say, Centerville to a Butler or Butler back to a Centerville? Um, well, like, my – install progression is much more aggressive than most um because to me like rip liz is very taxing in the beginning because there's a lot of things you have to go over but once you get going and then it's just rinse and repeat so the kids get really good at it um but so my day one install is um, we install Rip Liz um, to a 21 personnel, and then we install it to 10 personnel. Um, but where I think it makes it easier the way we do it is that we don't re refer to receivers as uh, their letters right so everybody is a number and we number our receivers one through five um so that way there's no too strong too weak it's just one two three four five and um to me i think if you install area and then regular zone match rules so the right the ripple is rules and you're going to install um the fast three rule then you might as well install skate and buzz because and skinny because all those things are the same now you're changing the parts right and when we install it nobody is like a corner a, a free safety a strong safety a, an elk or a mike or a will or a jack everybody's an x right and you just move the x's around wherever you want and then, so you install it as corner. You know, these are the corner. These are the deep outside third rules. Scene players, because a scene player could be the mic. It could be the will. It could be the free safety. It could be the strong safety. It could be the jack. It could be the elk. It could be anybody. Uh, it could be a nickel, 
right? So it could be your third best corner or it could be anybody. So we have seam rules and then we have hook rules, right? And the good thing about all that is that the deep outside third player always relates to number one. The, uh, the seam player always relates to number two and the hook players always relate to number three. So you have to know, basically you have to know what zone do I have and that's going to tell me what I have to do and who I relate to. So if let's say something like uh, there's regular rip list, Okay. And I am playing the strong side scene. Now I have, what is our scene rules? I relate to number two. So now let's say we go three by one. Okay. Now I'm the I'm the scene player in two by two. Well, our three by one rules means that we're pushing everybody out a zone. So seam, the way we teach the seam is if 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 number two is vertical in the seam, you match him. If he does anything else, it doesn't matter what it is, you're a curl flat player, right? So I'm either seam or I'm the curl player. And then flat is my secondary. So if I'm pushing everybody out one. Then now if I'm the scene player and I get a three by one check, now I'm the flat player. If I'm a hook, if I'm the strong side hook player, right? We get a three by one check either by motion or by alignment, right? Now I become the curl player. If I'm the weak hook, now I become strong hook. If I'm the weak seam and now we get a three by one check, now I'm the four or first crosser player, right? Or the weak side hook, however you want to call it. But I'm the four or first crosser player. So I got number four vertical in the scene or I got the first crosser. Yeah. Like it's that simple. And it's like that for three buzz, six skate. I say six skate, the skate can be ran out of a strong side rotation. But so I, I'm the same thing for buzz, skate, skinny, burn, like all that all goes in the same umbrella. So all thing I have to know is what's my, what's my job? I'm a hook player. Okay. I always relate to number three, no matter where I'm at, I relate to number three. So it doesn't matter where I start, right? That ball snapped, bam, my eyes go to three. I'm pushing to the inside hip at number three. I just need to know if, if I'm relating to three, then I'm also going to carry his ass too. Right. So I got him up and back. Now those, like I said, those parts can change. And that's to me is the beauty of the coverage is that I get to dictate to you where I think you're going to throw the ball and how I'm going to match that route. Yeah. I don't know. And there's certain situations that you want to call certain things, right? Like I'm not a huge fan of, of skate, right? Like I install it because it's a part of the puzzle, but to me, it's just not something, you know, you're, you're taking a, just the way of the coverage. I'm not a huge fan of it. I think there's more, open areas uh depending on you know what the team does like if they're, if they're an rpo team i'm not running skate you could hold a gun to my head and tell me that i have to call skate i ain't calling like it's just it's not good against it and then um plus then you know the front dictates what we're going to do with it right so we don't want to over we don't want to double rotate so we don't want to be an under and then run six skate too because now we're going to we're going to rotate right into the b gap bubble you know, or now, or you're making this free safety play the a gap, which is not necessarily in his wheelhouse. So, um, 
plus two. I mean, I just, so there's different things you like, you like about it. Like my favorite three by one check is probably three buzz. Um, you know, that's, it seems to fit our player's eye better. And it seems to fit kind of, um, most of what we see anymore. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's different things that I like about, about different, about, you know, each one, but I think it's bottom line is like, who do I have or what zone do I have? And now this is who I'm always going to relate to. And the rules are the same, no matter what coverage we're in. If I'm a scene player, I'm this, I'm the, from the hook player, I'm this, it doesn't matter what the coverage is. The beauty of it is we're changing the rotation and we're changing the, uh, the parts that are doing it. Now, my next question is, because I'm, as, as I'm deep diving into this, like, obviously, shallow by one, I mean, you let them go, you, you make your under calls that I mean, that's common sense. I, I mean, the great and then obviously hitches, you can make your smash or call, you, there's calls you can make with that. But my question for you is, how do you teach your seam and your outside third players to deal with like slants by one or two? I think that's kind of where, to me, as I draw stuff, <clears throat> kind of the gray area. Yeah. Um, I have not. His, um, one, the first rule is there are there are no late under calls, yeah. right? So you don't have time to think about it. And really, it's kind of one of those deals where it's um, – you know, a slant by one is not, to me, not that big a deal because the corner's eyes are right. And you should almost get like a double. If if it's, you know, slant out, right, you're going to get, you should already have an under call um, coming anyways, or the guy or the, the scene player stacking the out. But the double slant, that's a tough one. Um, it's, you know, sometimes you can, win that but with by um alignment right so you know if you already have that key um really just tell them make a decision and live with it you know so it's yeah i, I know some guys or i've heard kogan talk about like where they count steps right yeah um i don't uh i don't have my my guys do that um only because I think if it if they count steps at, at times, I think you can get into more of a of a man match concept. So I would rather have them drop to the scene and um or drop to their zone. It's uh you know, it's I don't know. It there's really no there's no right or wrong answer. My thing is if you think it's an under call, call it under. Like if everyone's on the same page, it doesn't matter, in my opinion. Like we should still be okay. Um, but if you call an, an under when that guy's already made three steps towards a slant, then we're going to have problems. You know what I mean? So I just tell our scene player, if you read it as a vertical release, match it. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the, the, the easiest answer I can give you. Right. So like the corner, it's easy for him. If it's double slant, his eyes are inside reading two anyways. And if two is in, then he knows I'm going to squeeze one from the top down regardless. It, the, the, the gray area becomes 
for the, that scene dropper. But again, if he reads it as a vertical release, then he needs to match it. But if he doesn't read it as a vertical release, then he's got to yell under right away. Okay. No, that, that, again, that's been one of the things I've looked at. Now, the next thing with that is, is um, obviously forward concept is, I mean, kind of what we're talking more, especially to playing Ribliz, trying to prevent. When you get like a four verts concept where one and two switch mm-hmm. pretty early, do you have, and you've probably done both over the history, but do you have your corner and your, and your scene player switch that? No. Do you just let them carry it and live with your scene player running with the quote unquote wheel or outside vert? Yeah, no. Um, we don't switch it. Okay. Because they, one, they should not be on the same level, right? And two, um, the scene player can't see one. Like the corner can see it, yeah. but the scene player can't see it. So we only switch um, vertical releases if our guy, if our inside player has an inside um, leverage. But in in Rip Liz, no, we don't switch um, uh, swap releases or whatever you want to call it. We just, we let it play out. Okay, perfect, Coach. Um, my next question is, and because you've, I mean, had to teach us to an entire staff as you've researched it, when you've looked at drill work for this, um, specifically for your overhangs and your DBs, what does a typical practice and working these skills kind of look like for your scene players in your corners? It's a lot of um, a lot of divider and leverage work, right? Um, that's the so for the corners, it's being able to um, be very intentional about the divider on every snap. Like I, I always tell our corners coach, like when we're we're three, six, or one. Like the first and like the very, very first thing you need to look at is not his stance, but is he on the right divider? And um, so divider and leveraging the route. Um, if the divider leverage moves post snap. So we work a lot of that, um, especially with corners. Doesn't happen a ton with the the scene players because with the scene players it's pretty much the same if he starts inside the divider more than likely you know it, it, you're only going to end up being he'll be an outside so that's an easier you automatic to me and when they go outside the divider you automatically leverage it high and inside because just of the route concept you're going to get the hardest part from that i've found is the corner being able to you know leverage a post the right way um, you know, when he starts on out, when he starts outside the divider and then you're high and inside and he takes off back in, um, a lot of times they end up getting on top of him. Um, but we spent a lot of time with dividers and the, uh, what, the Dante Barty calls position maintenance, you know, of, you know, when the, when the divider changes, um, and then, so with the corners, it's a lot of that. And then a lot of where's your body placement. So it's in, in tempoing the route in terms of getting out too fast, getting in the right, um, 
having the right depth um, or, you know, press bail. We do that quite a bit out of it. So with the corners, it's a lot of that. And then also a lot of uh, smash rule and then squeezing the scene with a proper divider leverage. You know, that's immediately they always want to choke. They just want to just attack the seam route. And so teaching them what squeezing the seam really is. And then, um, and then uh, without attacking it. And then uh, with the scene players, you know, the scene players, has a, they have a lot to do. So we start off pretty, uh, pretty easy or with them, like very basic in the sense of, I want them to drop to the scene. So they're going to shuffle out um, that kick slide, whatever you want to call it from, they're going to start off at six um, with outside leverage and they're going to drop to the seam in their shuffle and then a very slow pedal. If they have to get into it, you know, they want to get to that 10 to 12 yards. It's not going to take them very long to get there and still maintaining the proper leverage and then getting them to trust that if that guy does run vertical right down the seam, that you can still get there and leverage it the right way in that, in that low shoulder, low hip area to be able to push him to the seam. Um, and this year when we ran it, we did a lot of collision and carry with those guys because they were getting out so fast mm -hmm. that uh, we went to that. So that was more of a inside shoulder, outside shoulder, catch and carry. But then once we get into the drop in the seam and be able to read that, then we get in, the next hardest one is that guy runs the uh, a speed out. They immediately want to turn their hips and drive on it like it's man coverage. And so getting them to trust that that speed out, like, hey, he's not vertical in the seam. You're a curl flat player. Like you have to shuffle and stack that out route from depth, right? Because we, we have that five-yard no cover zone, so we don't want to drive on a speed out. So we're going to – you know, as soon as he goes out, we immediately sink and start to shuffle in the direction he's going. And we peek back inside and we got to make sure that we're stacking the out through the curl window to give that corner some time to drive on a curl. Um, so that's that's the other one. That's the hardest one to get them to kind of understand. We get a lot of, especially in the beginning, that guy drives on a runs a speed out and our scene player is ass and elbows on his upfield shoulder and getting them to, to understand the coverage, we want that ball thrown out there. Like we're going to leverage that, stack it, tackle it, and then let's go, you know, second, six, second, seven. Um, because what ends up happening is that when they turn and drive on it, that the angle in which they're shuffling to the seam, it automatically makes them round that route anyways. So, when they're driving, they round it and they end up either over, um, they end up getting, they overshoot the out route. So that guy cuts up on them or they're going to be waylaid anyways. Um, it just, it messes up the whole order of things. So we just really take a lot of time to teach shuffling through and stacking that and driving. Then after that, it's, you know, how to fit a dig, um, area calls. In terms of if you get a shallow right now by two, you know, you got to squeeze back to the, you know, squeeze back the hook, look for three, 
Um, and then we spent a lot of time teaching um, the uh, the sale technique. If we get a fast three, so we get a push call post snap, getting them to now they have to. I teach it, I think, probably a little bit different than most just because it's high school kids. But so we're dropping to the scene and we get a fast three. As soon as they get that push call, I teach our guys to two speed shuffles out first and then flip their hips at a 45 and try to leverage two and getting width and depth at the same time, like, like you would a cover two corner. So that way, because what we started, what we found with some of the high school guys being a little bit tighter and their, I mean, their footwork's not as, they're not as athletic. So um, if they just try to immediately get into a sale that they were getting more vertical than they were getting width. So we were still getting out leverage by the three to the flat. So if they got a little bit of width first and then opened up, it just, it was that momentum of them going here and then flipping their hips around it allowed us to get more width and we could still play uh, the intermediate out route by, uh, by two and then come up and tackle that. Okay. So it's a lot. The scene players have a lot. They have a lot to do. And then you got to do the same thing with the safeties because they're replacing the scene players a lot. So it's the, the scene players have quite a bit of, of things to, to be able to, you know, the corners, I mean, I mean, they, they got the easiest thing out there. I mean, they got vertical curl, you know, and post is basically all they got to really and squeeze the seam and um, squeezing the seam is easy. If you, if you pay attention and do it right. I mean, that's the, that's super easy. And then, uh, but the seam players, you know, they got speed out, they got a 10 yard out. They got, um, you know, they got a 10 yard dig. They even have a skinny post. They got a vertical, they got a, uh, a seven cut. I mean, they got, they have to defend a lot of things. And so it's not as individual for them early is there's a lot going on. Then you, like I said, then you throw in fast three. Um, so it just, and that will dictate how they handle the fast three work early in the year. will dictate if we're going to run a fast three, like sometimes we don't have a, we have, we just give it a gone call. And then if that back is fast at a flat, the backer just stacks it through. And then, so now we just switch it. So if we have a gone call, then we're more man dropping on number one or number two, I mean, and then um, if he's under right now, then the scene player becomes the hook player. Yeah. So sometimes that's a little bit easier to do okay. depending on the, the kids you got. Now, kind of my, my next question is, would your trips checks, because, um, I mean, as, as you point out, the trip, not, the nice thing about this coverage is trip checks are pretty easy. You're you're kind of just moving pieces, like mm-hmm. really, really where, I mean, the, the dumbed down short version is, is from what I've seen is where do you want to put your others, your roll down safety is really yeah. where a lot of the trips checks come into is what do you want his responsibility to be and how's that affect it usually affects one other guy, but could affect up to two or three other people. How much does that affect your run fits as you do your various uh, checks and how much with your run fits are they initially one gap players? Uh, Well, it depends on 
um, when we're in three, six, um, we're going to do everything we can to make it a, um, a gap fit. Right. Um, so basically kind of the way we run it, if, if we run, say something like three buzz, then both backers are still in the box. Yeah. Okay. So the drop safety, um, becomes our, uh, I won't say he's our extra fitter, you know, on perimeter run. Um, and then, but both backers are still in the box. So we're giving you a six man box. And then this, the drop down safety becomes, <clears throat> I mean, he's an RPO player first, depending on where the back is. Um, if the back is to the trips. So we have a loaded formation. He's playing the RPO first. Um, and then if it's a split formation, then he's reading a quarterback for high ball, low ball. So if it's high ball, he's going to hang on three before he pushes the two, but any kind of run game, he's going to be, he's the guy that ends up making, like we get outside zone at three by two, uh, to a split formation. He's the one that always ends up making that play because all he's got to do is just keep going vertical and he can set the edge faster than anybody else can. And they, for some reason, they never account for him in the blocking scheme. Like number three always goes and tries to lock the box on the inside backer. And then, um, so he's literally scot free coming. If it's six, um, now our Mike linebacker becomes the, the extra fitter or the force player, I guess that he'd be the force player to the strength side, to the strong side. Cause now those two have just, the mic now has become what the, uh, the strong safety was in three buzz. But now we've added our free safety, the drop safety down into the run fit to the weak side. Yeah. So <clears throat> he will play off of, um, cause we, we boss our backers to the strength. So he will play, B gap to C gap, depending on what the call is, what the, the line movement or what the defensive end does. So we allow our defensive end to primary secondary gap, um, C to B, and then he just fits off of him. Yeah. So that's how we get our sixth player in the fit. Okay. Uh, perfect. Now my, my next question is, um, and, and this might not be a ripple is or cover three answer. Um, and I don't, and I honestly don't know how much you see it in the G walk. Cause I haven't really, I haven't really paid attention outside of watching the couple times I've come watch you guys were off or near the playoffs um, is how do you deal with empty, like four by one formations? I, I know there's several ways to deal with it, but like, I just came from the CBC and I mean, I had two or three teams that would go empty four by one. A lot of times they have a mobile quarterback that they just run with it, but they'd also right. run some concepts out of it. How do you, I mean, without specific, like they do this out of it, what is, I mean, what are your initial thoughts when you hear somebody's going four by one empty? We just run three buzz. Yeah. Yeah. Every time we get any kind of four by one, whether it's motion two or they start off in it, um, we automatically go three buzz and just push everybody strong. 
and everything. And that turns it into a pass back rule yeah. because there is no threat of two vertical or sorry, there's no threat of four vertical to the weak side. So everything's an automatic pass back across the field. Yeah, well, that makes sense. Okay. And then the last question I want to ask you before we get off here is, is we, we've had this conversation in text and I've asked this, I think, I know I've asked it in Facebook groups. I don't remember if I asked it on Twitter or not, because you ran a little bit of two trap this year. Um, yeah. And I, I, I spent, did the rabbit hole trying to figure out what the heck the actual difference between two trap and palms were. And, and obviously there is a difference and especially the technique of the corner. Um, but for you, for you and how you guys, cause you, you like to run some of your pressures behind it, uh, in front of it, however you want to word it for you, what, what is true trap? And then why did you add that little wrinkle this year? Yeah, we run it as a, we run two trap as a, um, as a fire zone. So, um, if we do when we ran it, it was always with some kind of five man pressure. Um, I don't think we ran it with a four man. I mean, you can, um, I like it because it, um, you know, there's that element of a, not many high school teams do it right. It looks like man coverage or you can make it look like man coverage. Um, and it, I really like it to three by one a lot um, because you're going to take away any of their hot reads right away. Um, so how we play it, obviously we're super aggressive on the corners and then um, so, and I like it. It's a good compliment to, to, Rip Liz, and it's a very good compliment, I think, to three under three deep. So we added it because this year we had switched everything, and this is why we ran more cover one than anything was, is that we got out of running three under three deep. Um, only because I did not, um, I'm not a huge fan of three under three deep to three by one, and that's what we see the most of, and um just because I think you get bigger windows and it's a little bit more difficult for the, the hook player. I think um, I still haven't been able to find something that really, everybody says like, Oh, you run rip list. You should be able to run three hundred three deep easy. Like, yeah, but we have one less player. I mean, that's a little bit different, right? I mean, you're taking away a, a piece of the puzzle. It doesn't fit uh, my mind. So we ran a lot more regular cover one or, one robber, we call it one robber. A lot of people call it one lurk, um, which is a, a tremendous coverage. But um, though they all they kind of they they complement each other well, which you can make them look like pre snap. So we are uh, our corner is trapping the first thing to the flat. So as soon as he sees anything, he's triggering right away. Um, and then everybody else is playing a man match concept with whoever they're um, relating to. And they're where in Rip Liz, we're matching everything vertical and out. 
in our two trap concept, we are matching everything vertical and back towards the ball. So we're able to maintain inside leverage and take away those quick hot throws through leverage and push everything out wide under duress, you know, theoretically speaking. The weakness of the coverage is the middle of the field is wide open, right? Because the safety's got to get more width, right? And then you're going to have more than likely you're going to have an, an interior um, skill player matching a slot receiver down the middle of the field. Um, like we ran it against um, against Springfield in the in the playoff game, and basically it was kind of a combination of uh, a couple of things. But um, so we had our Mike linebacker running with. Um, a slot receiver vertical I'm sorry with the number three receiver vertical and the backside safety got too wide right and then a combination of the linebacker not running the coverage but it was still would have been a tougher play for him because he's having to run with speed down the middle of the field but he zone dropped and the guy ran right by him but um you know, but against, and we were able to get a pick, you know, off of it. Um, we had a lot of success against Wayne with it. It's some kind of interior five-man pressure, and then we're trapping the flat and matching everything vertical and back towards the ball. And if you give us, you know, the three-by-one adjustments to it are, or is that never, now we're going to roll to it. So you get, um, you know, the backside safety now. Instead of now you're playing an inverted two to the backside and to the front side, you're playing a roll cover two to it with, with a trap player. And um, now you can really make it look like cover one, right? Cause you can put that roll safety in the middle of the field with some depth and it looks like it's cover one to the quarterback and the ball is snapped and all those parts start moving. And now he's got pressure coming up at him. Um, we had a we got a lot of miles out of that this year, and it was really um, I want to say we probably I think we I can't remember the numbers off the top of my head. I literally just did them this uh, this afternoon. I think we ran two trap. I want to say twenty three times this year. So, you know, twenty three times against our schedule with the with the teams. I mean, three of the four teams that are in the final four in Division One right now either we played or we um, practiced against. And um, we were able to be pretty successful with it. Yeah. I mean, you got to do some other things with the, with the front, you know, but it's with the corner playing the backside half to his side, um, you know, it's, it's not a whole lot different than teaching him how to play the scene. Right. Um you know, you got your – obviously, you can't trap the flat when you have a player dropping from the box to the weak side flat, but we just call that a – we call that a slice technique. So, he's going to push right to one right away. If one tries to cross his face, he's going to take him back across the ball. And then, you know, uh, the the roll portion of it is not a whole lot different than our uh, – 
our backside safety when we play six buzz. Like six buzz is one that I can't believe you haven't even asked me about. That's like my favorite freaking <laughs> cover six coverage. And, um, you know, to me, that's that six buzz is a game changer. I love that coverage. And um, if you're thinking about running some kind of cover six in the one high world, you to me, you're a fool if you don't run six buzz. Um, but it's the same technique as him when he's running. I mean, for the most part, it's very similar to that technique. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of carryovers, a lot more carryover than you think. Um, so it's, you know, it was good for us. Just, we just play it very aggressively. Um, you know, and it was good to us for the most part. I think out of 23 plays, only the only other play that hurt us, well, obviously that play against Springfield hurt us, but outside of that, it was more of a, like a QB scramble type thing kind of hurt us a little bit because you're playing in some kind of man match. Everybody's got their back to the quarterback. QB scramble at times can be a problem. Yeah. But six buzz is your answer to six skate. I'm not going to let you off the hook. Well, here's the reason. And, and, and I'll let you get your, your six buzz and I'll even add to my notes is I've, I've gotten through, like I said, I, I'm beginning this deep dive and, and I've gotten through the six, the skate, the skinny. Um, I've not really hit the Mabel slash buzz section um, of my in-depth research yet. Okay. I'm not the, 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 the ripple is encyclopedia that you are, John. Okay, let's let's start there. Okay, so yeah, uh, okay, so for for the illiterate Ripley's person here, go ahead and explain to me what six buzz is and why every Ripley's person should run it. Well, you could run it with it's a weak side rotation, obviously, but it's great in the passing down because to us, if we're gonna run, if we run six skate or six skinny and they have speed at three, we automatically check that to six buzz. Now, we keep the front side call, whether it's skate or skinny, it doesn't matter, right? Because it has no bearing on on the back. But it's just what the backside guys do. Some guys, like Alabama, uh, Vic Fangio system, like they have it built into the call already. So they call it six site, I think, or they call it site or whatever. Um, Fangio doesn't, I don't think uses the same numbering system, but basically it's called sight and, and they just kind of read, they read what the running back does. And that would dictate who becomes the, the strong hook player and who becomes the scene player. We just pre-snap call it. So if it's speed at three, like our will linebacker in our system is our traditional neck roll, thick ankled linebacker, Right. So we don't want that guy carrying three vertical. Like IE Ohio State versus Alabama in the national championship game when the linebacker was trying to carry Devontae Smith and he scored a touchdown, right? Like that they were playing skate on that. We would automatically check out of that pre-snap. And basically what that is is that so now the weak side scene player and the weak side hook player just switch responsibilities. So now our will linebacker becomes our weak side, our four or first crosser player, and he's going to match the back out of the backfield. 
And then our free safety now is going to push to the inside of number three from depth. And now he's going to match three up and back. So it's very similar to playing like a quarters poach technique. It's the same type of coverage. I love it on third and long. I love it versus teams that run, uh, you know, three by one drive or shallow, whatever the hell you want to call it, out of three by one. And it, we have that intermediate, you know, dig route. Um, it's great versus that because it's especially in high school, I think, because it, you're coming from the opposite side that the quarterback is reading. So the quarterback's reading the front side hook player, and he's going to drive on the on the shallow, so he thinks the dig's going to be there, and then next thing you know, there you are. Or the number three opens up when he's bending, running the bender, and the next thing you know, the free safety is sitting there waiting for him, right? Like I think it's a it's a uh, it's a very very good coverage on third and long, um, but it's an automatic check for us if there's speed at three, so we don't uh, have a slow kid trying to carry a fast kid. Yeah, and, and yeah. Because you said sight, and then I went through my 18 pages of notes that I already have. And in the video I watched, Cody Alexander talk about three by yep. one. That's, that's where I wrote down sight. I was trying to figure out yep. where it was. I just didn't, couldn't remember where I heard the term. Yeah, I can't. I wouldn't, I wouldn't trust high school kids. I think it. We it's easy on paper, but I can't imagine that. You're asking, one of the reasons why I don't like to read is because you're asking three kids to be on the same page, right? Like you talk about a gray area with undercalls. It's nothing but gray, in my opinion, and to read. And so now you're going to have a linebacker who's thinking run, 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 run. And then, I don't know, so I just say, hell with it. We just call six buzz. Yeah. And so I was, like I said, I was just trying to figure out, like I said, now that makes sense. So I remember, like I said, I remember seeing sight, and I think I've written down buzz. I think once, but I've only, I've mostly, mostly seen the three buzz stuff, not the six. So. Yeah, I don't know what it's. I don't know what it's the technical term for that is. Yeah, but we just call it six buzz. Okay. Um. But the other one that you're going to want to take a look at, if you're going to get into it, is a good compliment to three buzz is we, we call it three burn. I don't know what I think I was listening to vast his podcast a few, a couple of years ago. And uh, I think it was the guy, not Orlando, but the, the next guy at Texas um, oh, um... Tulowitz or, and I was on his Discord talking about with this guy, uh, Coach uh, uh, Slade Calhoun yeah. from uh, Memphis, who's a guy you probably want to you would want to do a clinic with. He's super smart, and his teams are really good. But um, so we were talking about three. Uh, I just picked up Burn. I think Burn might actually be an Aranda thing. But anyways, um, it is three buzz except for now instead of that guy dropping over three and then pushing a two the strong safety the, the strong side rotation guy now he 
the seam player and the corner are all playing rip Liz on one, two, and three. So they're going to match. He's going to match three vertical and out. Yeah. So you get used to that guy, you know, rotating over the top, hanging on three and then pushing to two, you know, where you get your zone. Now he's sitting there at depth and he's going to match three vertical. So if we get um, speed at three, we're going to check to burn or we're going to check to six buzz and let our guys that are faster match those vertical routes from depth. And now you take your strong hook player who in three buzz is your, as uh, your Mike linebacker who in our defense is faster of the two. He is responsible for carrying three up and back in, in three buzz. Now he's only got a match three on a shallow. So if he goes vertical, he's just going to post him in the hook, just like he would in stubby or stump. So we're not teaching him anything new. And uh, um, so he's going to try to bang that guy out of the middle of the field and push him to the, the safety. But we now we have three guys to the field matching guys vertical and out with a safety rotating to the middle of the field. And the only thing we've done now is that we've just switched like six buzz and three burn. Now we've only switched two guys' responsibilities. Everybody else plays the same, but the strong safety and the mic switch, just like in what we call six buzz, the um, the the will linebacker and the free safety would switch. Okay. So you get the best of both worlds, in my opinion. Okay, I want to look at that more. The rabbit hole is endless, Vanstra. <laughs> well, now I have to look up what look up three burn and six burn and. And figure out where that's at and I'll share I'll share my Google stuff with you. Okay. So I got it's all in there. Uh, I'll wrap hold of Phil. So all right, coaches. Um, because we I mean me and John could literally probably talk for hours and just go down <laughs> rabbit hole rabbit hole. Um one, obviously give him a follow on Twitter if you haven't already. Um, B his links to both his clinics, our prior podcast. Uh, we'll be in the bio. Um, so you can check all that stuff out if you want to learn about, more about Ripple is. Um, John also in his presentations has also a bunch of great resources on books um, and our stuff to visit. Um, actually added one of his books that he uh, mentioned on uh, his first presentation to my Amazon cart today. Um, and then other than that, like, share, subscribe, all that lovely jazz. Uh, check out which book. Oh, you asked me too quickly. Um, the, uh, give me a second. I'll tell you once we get off here. Um, okay. and, um, that's another episode of the gap down backer podcast.